0: Well, good morning, friends. My name is Brandon. I'm our community and next steps pastor. If you're a guest this morning, I think you picked an awesome week uh, to be here. And there's that one line there at the end of the video that said, uh, the, God forgave me, but the church didn't. And maybe you haven't been in the church in a long time because that was you, that the church judged you uh, like crazy. And like that guy said, he's been in hell for 30 years. Um and he was just trying to love on his grandma. And we've been in this teaching series called Toxic Church, Religiously Transmitted Diseases. And our hope and our passion is that Radiant Life would not be a toxic church, that we would not transmit these things into our community that God has blessed us with. And week one, we talked about spiritual pride, and last week we talked about hypocrisy. And this week, we're going to talk about a judgmental spirit. And like I said, as a church, we, we want to rid these toxins from us. And so we're going to have a conversation today and talk about a judgmental spirit of whether should we be judgmental or is there a proper way to be judgmental and, and how do we have those different things. So that's what we're going to do today. And let's we'll start off with a base here. Uh, the definition of judge, the noun version is a public official appointed to decide cases In a court of law. Now, I may or may not have met a few of these judges in my past. That was pre-Jesus days, by the way. And the verb version of it is a form an opinion or a conclusion about something. And so, let's be honest: like either we'll put ourselves in the in the judge position, or we'll do the verb where we'll form an opinion and make a conclusion about something. We we put ourselves in this position often. Like, we'll, we'll judge people literally just based on the way they dress, right? Like, look at these dudes here. Like, I, I think this is Dwayne Johnson and the Hulk. I don't know who this mullet guy is, but, you know, they're all wearing fanny packs, and, you know, like, we can judge those people because they have fanny packs. And I literally, okay, I'm going to let you in on this joke. I didn't do this for a service. Uh, pastor Josh, our student ministry pastor, he likes to wear a fanny pack, but he calls it what, a lumbar, a tactical lumbar storage, no, it's a fanny pack. <laughs> so he didn't know I was going to talk about fanny packs, so you guys got a little extra bonus here for second service. But we'll, we'll judge people based on just their appearance, like, look at this guy, like, he's a little different than a lot of people around in the Sturgis area, right? Like, like he would probably get judged and I wouldn't judge him. I mean, his torch made out of beer cans, that might cause some concerns, but we could, like, we, we can make judgments based on people's appearances. Now, the way I was raised, a good firm handshake was the way that you leave a good first impression. Hey, why don't everybody give a handshake to your neighbor right now? Just a nice, firm, not too hard, nice, firm handshake. Yeah. So when I was a little guy, my dad, he taught me that you have to have a nice, firm handshake, especially when you shake another man's hand. And you back off just a little bit on the firmness with the ladies. So he taught me this. I was in the car with him, and we're getting ready to go inside and meet his friend. He's like, I want you to squeeze his hand as hard as you can, because I was just a little guy, so it wasn't going to be that much. And I remember that guy said, well, that's a nice firm handshake. So I will judge the snot out of you if you just give me that little limp hand thing where you don't squeeze. I I will judge you based on your handshake. In fact, someone earlier, they didn't handshake me. We'll... we'll, We'll make judgments on sports teams, will we not? Right? Like, if you're on this side, you're, you're on Michigan's side, you will judge the snot out of the Notre Dame people, and Notre Dame people will judge them, and then you throw little brother in here with Michigan State, and we'll judge all three of each other like crazy, and that's just right here in Radiant Life. Like, we'll judge people, like, we'll see their jersey, and like, they don't know what's going on. Like, we'll make, we'll make judgments, right? We'll make judgments on music. Like, oh, you listen to country music? That's not music. Or you listen to that rap music? That's not, that's not music. Like, we'll make judgments based on music. And just so it's stated publicly, like, I don't think that opera is music. I'm just saying. I like the rest of it. That's just my opinion. But we'll, we'll go into a place, and we'll make a judgment based on someone on the way that their makeup is. Like, we'll see that the way that their makeup is on their face. How many people know the Drew Carey Show? Yeah, all right. So yeah, this is Mimi from the Drew Carey Show. For you young people, just Google that. You'll figure that out. But yeah, we'll make judgments just based on the way people will put their makeup on, like kind of clownish in a sense there. But she has some very definitive lines here. I'll give her credit on that. But we just, we make judgments, right? I mean, we'll make judgments on the way that people vote. And I can tell you, friends, that Jesus is not a Republican, and he's not a Democrat, but we will judge other people based on how they vote. And so we will put ourselves in the noun, and we'll go it on other people based on the way that they vote. And so we're going to have a conversation today, and we're going to go into Matthew chapter 7. So if you brought a Bible, you can flip to Matthew 7. If you have a digital device... Uh, go to the YouVersion Bible app. There should be a live event happening right now. All the scriptures are going to be in there. You'll be able to add your notes and save those for later. But we're, we're going to look at this one little nugget in a greater sermon that Jesus is teaching. And it's all about judgment and judging others. And we're going to unpack this thing. And, and Lord willing, if, if we do a good job today, we'll be able to walk out of here having a better understanding of judging others or how to judge others, or should we judge others? That's the hope for today. So let's get right into it. First verse. Do not, read this with me, judge, Judge, or you too will be judged. Okay, pretty black and white. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. Okay, okay. And the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. So Jesus is very black and white right here. He's saying don't judge others or you're going to be judged. And depending on how harsh you were with this person when you judge them, that same measure is going to be used against you. And that seems super black and white. Like I, I think I could walk away. We could bring the praise team up, sing a song, and we could go home. But Jesus tells this story or a parable or an analogy to help us really understand what this whole concept is. And here it is. So why do you look at the, read this with me, speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Okay. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. We talked about a hypocrisy last week. First, take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now, I think Jesus um, took this story or this analogy from some of his upbringing. His earthly daddy, Joseph, was a carpenter. And so I think he's taking this story from some of his carpentry uh, life background. And so you're probably wondering, okay, maybe I'm starting to see what the sawhorses and 2 by fours. We need a demonstration for us to understand Jesus' parable. So I need two volunteers to come up here, and the winner is going to get a five-legs gift card for winning what I haven't explained what we're doing yet. So I need two volunteers. First two up here. Frank's up here. You got this, Mason. Mason. Okay, so what's going to happen for us to uh, hand this uh, Five Lakes card is you will see that there is one of these um, old school saws here. Uh, I use electric, but you guys are going to use these. And the first person to cut a chunk of any of the 2 by 4 off and have it hit the stage will be the winner of the Five Lakes card. Does that make sense? Clear. Clear. Okay. So this part of the audience, I want you to cheer Frank on. You want him to win. You want him to cut that off. You audience over here, you're going to cheer Mason on, and you want him to beat the old guy, right? Because we believe in this next generation. (laughs) Love you, buddy. All right. You guys ready? You can get your saw. You can position the board however you want to do it. But the first chunk that you cut off that hits the floor, that will be the winner, okay? (laughs) He's getting ready. Are you ready? I want to wait till you're ready. Okay? Are you ready? Okay. Audience, count down with me. Three, two, one, go. Still pretty close, Still pretty close. Get your back into it. Oh man. Oh boy, oh Oh man, I gotta be honest, I was not expecting that, that was awesome. Your elbow's gonna be sore if you were building a house like that though, holy cow, that was awesome. That threw me off. All right, let me compose myself, Holy Spirit. All right. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so what happened here? We've got some sawdust. Jesus was talking about sawdust, right? So now we created some sawdust. Hopefully you guys can see this sprinkling here. Okay, so original language that the Bible is written in. Karos, a particle of sawdust or shaft left over from processing, such as sawing or winnowing. Okay, So let's go back to the scriptures. Why do you see the speck of sawdust? That's what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about this little stuff after sawing a board. Okay? But then he keeps going. In your brother's eye, and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. And so he's talking about dokos, a long, thick piece of wood, such as that is used in construction as large kindling or is a structural support, okay? This is a two-by-four for, for those of you that don't know that. It's three and a half inches wide by an inch and a half. Go figure it's called a two-by-four. Actually, that's after the milling process, but we can get into that later. Most homes have two-by-fours in the walls like this, and this is what your building is made out of. I mean, we've also got these beautiful, gorgeous beams that are in our facility here. Like, we're just blessed to have this place. And that's what Jesus is talking about when he's talking about a plank or a beam. It's something that is structural. And so Jesus is saying, hey, look, you've got this beam in your eye, right? Like you have this big two-by-four in your eye, and you're looking at this little bit of sawdust in someone else's eye. But where did this sawdust come from? It came from this board, right? And so we look at other people's specs, and it came from this very plank that was in our own eye. But what can this two-by-four? What does what this beam? What can that represent in our life? It can be insecurities. We're insecurity in our relationship, because maybe we've been unfaithful in the past with previous relationships, and so now we have a hard time trusting that person that we're in a relationship with now. Sin. It's this church word, but it's a real thing. We have sin that's in our life, and maybe we haven't confessed that. Maybe it hasn't surfaced publicly yet with other people, but we have sin that's in our life. And Jesus is saying, hey, that's that beam, that's that plank that's in your eye. But we all have struggles. Like we struggle with things, like life throws us curveballs all the time, and we just struggle with these different things. We have these hurts and these hang-ups that are in our life. Weaknesses, because let's, Let's be honest, like we put on our social media just how strong we really are, but behind the screen, we are not strong. We are extremely weak. But we present ourselves to the public that we are very strong. We fall short all the time. Like we just have shortcomings that are in, in our life. And we do this comparison game. Like, oh, my sin isn't as bad as that person's sin over there or my life isn't as bad as that person, I'm not making those poor decisions that that person's making over there. Paul wrote to the church in Rome. This is what he said. He says, when you say they are wicked and should be punished, you are condemning yourself for you who judge others do the very same things. So friends, like, Jesus is saying, like, he said, you hypocrite. Like, He's saying, you're judging people out of your own plank. That speck and that dust, we're we're seeing that in our own life, but we're projecting our judgment on other people. And so we see that same sawdust, that particle, that came from our very own plank that is in our own eye. Pastor John Corson said it like this. I find this fascinating because the words Jesus used imply that the speck, The splinter I see in my brother's eye is of the same exact material as the beam in my own eye, only smaller in dimension. That's why I can spot certain sins in other people very easily. Whatever sins you struggle with personally are the sins you will point out in others most readily. And Jesus got it. Like we put this mask on, right? We talked about that last week. We put this mask on, And Jesus is saying, hey, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And so Jesus is saying, look, you need to take care of this thing that's in your own eye first. And so maybe you're sitting there like, okay, Brandon, I kind of get this plank thing. Uh, I get that there might be this thing in my life, but honestly, like, how how do I take care of this plank in my eye? Will you get a sander? No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. I, I give two suggestions. Take this with a grain of salt. This is my opinion. The first one is go see a Christian counselor. See a Christian counselor. It doesn't mean that you're broken. They just help you process things that are in your life. I don't think there's anything more special than when you have a Christian counselor with God's Word open up on the desk, and as you're processing this thing that you're doing in your life, and they slide God's Word over to you, and they say, turn to this, turn to that, and you start to read it, and all of a sudden the light bulb just goes off, and you've never viewed God's Word that way as you process this junk or this, these things that are in your life. And if you need a counselor, come see me. I'll give you mine. I have a cell phone number. He won't tell me that he's meeting with you. But go see a Christian counselor. The other one, missional communities. We fully believe in missional communities, and we've been pushing this like crazy for the last almost month now. You're like, okay, how does missional communities fall in the line of me taking care of a two-by-four in my eye? And for, for those of you who are here and you're not sure what a missional community is, a missional community is, say, 40 to 70 people. And the first week of the month, they're going to get together and they're going to do a meal together. The second week of the month, that bigger group is going to break off into smaller groups of guys and gals. They can meet at the coffee shop. They can meet in homes. They can meet here if they want. And they're going to do life on life with one another. The third week of the month, that big group is going to come back, and we're going to do service projects. We are going to serve our community and go be the hands and feet of Jesus within our community. And the fourth week of the month, we're going to get back into those smaller groups. And those smaller groups are called life groups. And those life groups is where this process will help us unpack these things. We'll have accountability in our life. And we can be open and honest and transparent with one another. Pastor Kerry Newhoff, he's a pastor in Canada and he also has a podcast. I love his podcast. He says, people who judge almost, almost never help. People who help almost never judge. In life groups, we're going to help each other. We're not going to judge people and hope that they change. We're going to walk side by side with them and help them. Kerry also said, very few people get judged into life change. Many people get loved into it. How powerful is that? I don't know that in all the things in my life that I've ever been judged to the point that I'm at now, I've had people who have loved me They've been honest with me, they've been gentle with me, and they have told me things to help me grow in my relationship with Jesus. And maybe you've been judged in the past in the the church. They didn't do that. They just judged you and hoped that you'd changed. But they didn't love you, and they didn't walk with you. And so that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about what that process looks like. And what does it look like to judge people in the outside of the church? Because Paul, he wrote about this. He wrote to the church in Corinth. Because Paul, like he wrote to all these different churches, and that's what a lot of our newer testament is written, because he was a church destroyer and he went to church planner. And that's the reason why we have all these letters from him. And there was this awful thing that was happening within the church in Corinth. And Paul had to address it because it needed to be taken care of. It was completely unhealthy for the church and it was completely toxic. And this is what he wrote to the church. He said, it it isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders. Talking about people on the outside of the church. But it certainly is your responsibility to judge those in the inside of the church who are sinning. God will judge those on the outside. And so Paul He he says, look, we got to stop putting our Christian standards on people who don't even know who Jesus is. We get to this certain point in our relationship with Jesus and we expect these non-Christians to live like us. And Paul's like, whoa, whoa, pump the brakes here. We're not to be judging outsiders. We need to take care of these things inside of our church. We need to edify, iron sharpens iron sort of thing. But I think that there's a process in the way that we do that. He wrote to this other church in Galatia. He said, brothers and sisters, he's talking to the Christians. He wrote this letter to the church, the followers of Jesus. He says, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by, say this word with me, spirit should restore that person gently. So I want you to remember these two words. I want you to remember spirit and gently. He keeps saying, but watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. Read these three words with me. Carry each other's burdens and this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. And so in Eastern culture and when the Bible was written, they would repeat words um, to Emphasize a point. You know, in our English language, we can italicize, we can underline, we can quote, we can bold print, we can do all these different things to get our point across. They didn't have those things when they wrote the Bible. And so they repeat these words to emphasize a point. And Paul's like, hey, look, guys, if you're going to look at this other person's uh, sawdust out of your own plank, maybe you ought to deal with your own plank first. And then let's go be gentle in the way that we do it. Because he said, walk by the Spirit. Now what's awesome about the paper Bibles is you can see an overview of what the letter's going on. And sometimes you kind of miss that when you're scrolling. And so right before that portion of Scripture that we read, Paul talks about the fruits of the Spirit. So let's read about the fruits of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit, there's Spirit again, is love, joy, peace forbearance, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And so if we're going to have a conversation with someone, if we're going to judge them, and there's this thing that is happening in their life, Paul's saying you need to be walking in the Spirit, and you need to be gentle on how you do it. And so I think there's appropriate ways that we can have tough conversations with people. The problem is, and the way that the church has been toxic is, we have these tough conversations with people who aren't even following Jesus. Or we judge the snot out of the people inside the church, and we're, un- and we're not being gentle about it, and we're unwilling to walk with that person. Shame on us, church. There's this story towards the end of Jesus' life, and it's in the upper room, and if you've been in the church for a while, it's the Last Supper. And the disciples came into the upper room and Jesus said, hey, your feet stink. You guys are dirty. Go take a bath. He didn't say that. He didn't say anything. He walked over to them. He knelt down. And he washed their feet. He didn't judge them. So friends, I want us to leave today with a question and hopefully an action step this morning. The question is this. When I judge someone, let's be honest. Like We're going to judge. We're not going to leave here today and never judge anybody ever again. (laughs) It's probably not going to happen. But when we judge someone, am I willing to walk with them? Am I willing to walk in the Spirit Am I willing to be gentle with them and walk with them as they go through this journey, this thing that they're wrestling with? Because let's be honest, there are these struggles that are in our life. There are these addictions that grip our lives. And what good is it to do to stand over here and say, get your crap together? It doesn't do any good. Are we willing to come side by side and walk with this person, pray with this person, are we willing to walk and be gentle with this person and help them get through this thing that they are struggling with? And here's the other thing I want us to this is our action step. Is what does it look like to pray for people that we're judging? There was a president a while back that I just I couldn't stand the decisions that he was making. I was grumbling, I was complaining, I was judging him. And I heard this message, are you praying for the president? man, of that convict. That hurt so much. But God wanted to grow me. And so I started praying for the president. I prayed for the very first time. I was like, I'm never going to meet the president. God, would you put people into his life that would surround him to be able to make influences in on him? I kid you not. The very next day on my social media, Dr. Joanne Lyon, she used to be the superintendent of the Wesleyan denomination, was in the Oval Office with this president. In fact, the last time that she came and spoke here, I shared that story with her. Not all the time our prayers get answered that quickly, but it's more of an attitude check on our hearts. And so friends, are we willing to walk with them? But are we willing to pray before we judge? That's our action step for today and the day after that and the day after that. Are we willing to pray before we judge and are we willing to walk side by side with this person that we've been judging? Otherwise, we need to be checking ourselves and we need to get on our knees and tell God that we are sorry. Let's pray. Jesus, There might be a person right now that is stirring in our mind, in our heart right now, that we have judged, and we have not walked with that person. We have not prayed for that person. And so, Jesus, I fully believe that is is your Holy Spirit convicting us right now in this moment. But your word says that we can confess our sins, that you are faithful, and that you are just, and that you will forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so, Jesus... We pause right now in this moment and we give this situation, this person over to you and we ask for forgiveness right now in this moment. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you. Lord, I pray that we as a body, radiant life, would not be toxic that we'd be passionately in love with you and that we would shine the light, your message, this hope that we have to our community and that lives would be transformed. And Lord, you've been doing crazy things here at Radiant Life and we give you the praise and the glory for all of that. But Lord, would you continue to work in our hearts as we get in that everyday grind this week. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. We're going to receive our tithes and offerings this morning. If you're a guest this morning, like I said, I'm so glad that you are here. At the bottom of that handout is a connection card. If you'd fill that out and just go to our cafe, free drinks for you and your family. We even have a little gift bag to show our appreciation that you are here because we feel like that's a divine appointment that you came this morning. We are part of a church that has made God first in their life. And that's how we worship through our tithes and our offerings. And we trust that God will continue to provide for our needs. I'd like to pray for our offering now. Jesus, you have been transforming lives. There's a number of 468 on the back wall of people who have come into relationship with you for the very first time. And we give you the praise. We give you all the glory of what you are doing in people's lives. And so, Lord, we ask for wisdom and discernment on this offering to advance your kingdom and that your will would be done with it. We give you the praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name, amen.